Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here to talk about camp on August 7th, and uh, with me again is Kyle Barber. Kyle, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. A nice day over here on Saturday. A little overcast, which I always find appreciated because uh, the humidity isn't so bad and the sunset is, sunlight isn't so bad. And uh, we, got, we got tomorrow off. I'm excited. I get to enjoy yeah. an evening. So uh, things are well. How about you, Ken? Yeah, no, no complaints here either. It's a, it's, a, it's a good day at camp whenever it's as cool as it was and as, and as nice and not little direct sunlight as there was today but even better Lamar Jackson was back on the field today after an extended layoff with uh, COVID protocols again 
uh, looked pretty good to me. Yeah, I uh, I saw him throwing. Uh, they have these nets that they hang over one of the crossbars, and they hang downward. And there's certain uh, targets that the quarterbacks throw uh, when they're doing quarterback drills off to the side for individuals. And Jackson hit his targets. Uh, he rang one off the crossbar, and I think it was on purpose because he was celebrating like it was intentional. So that's what we have to go off of. And uh, he looked pretty sharp on uh, most of his throws, yeah. It didn't look, didn't seem to be way off target on any. As we've, you know, frankly, Jackson twenty eighteen had some problems throwing accurately, and this is not uh, uh, not a big problem in twenty twenty one that he seemed to be on target with his receivers. They uh, uh, gave him probably a fairly easy set of throws to make. There was not a lot of uh, uh, really difficult th- uh, things they had him do. A lot of uh, the normal kind of. Uh, lofting passes into the bucket the way i talk about camp that you have to be careful with in terms of judging receivers Uh, a lot of crossing patterns a lot to mark andrews the kind of things that that he's very familiar with yeah he had a lot of simplified throws and it's not to say that he is incapable of doing anything extraordinary because we know that's almost all what lamar jackson is about is the extraordinary but today was easing him back into camp and and keeping a workload that's light uh, at the podium, John Harbaugh stated that he was dealing with a lot of COVID-related uh, symptoms. So I assume they're working him back into the system and not wanting to uh, cause him any difficulty, be it respiratory or otherwise. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, in terms of other injury news, I know people always want to hear about this first. We don't like to spend our whole report doing this. But uh, Hollywood was out again. Uh, he came back late in practice uh, just in shorts and a t-shirt looks like he would really like to be out there again he's back on the field with his teammates just uh doing some high fives and uh, low fives and whatnot but uh uh, bateman missed another day uh jimmy smith of course is is now thought to be out uh, a a couple of weeks i believe we said one to two weeks whenever we hear that from harbaugh i think okay maybe he'll be back for the first week of the season yeah, that's what uh, my presumption is. Like he said, one to two weeks. Uh, we talked about it on uh, yesterday's episode, uh, and it was s- simply put as a, a short-term injury in the best-case scenario, and it sounds most certainly like it's best-case scenario. If they expect a Jimmy Smith, who we terrifyingly saw writhing in pain at one point on the field, uh, only missing maybe two weeks of training camp. That's wonderful news, and uh, I couldn't be more excited for it. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Warrior out. Houston, he was back for individual drills, but he's still not playing 11 on 11 yet. Another guy I didn't see, I wanted to ask you about, Daylon Hayes. Was he at practice today? I don't remember seeing him out there. Mm-hmm. I might have missed it. Uh, I didn't see anybody reporting that he was absent, though, so unfortunately I don't have the correct information on that, but I can definitely check it while we uh, continue on here. All right, no problem. As we go through the others, Juwan James, of course, been out long-term. Kevin Zeitler still out. Ronnie Stanley not back yet. Uh, Boykin uh, still out. Boyle and Breland, the tight ends, both out as well. So uh, difficult day for the offense. I see uh, he's checking it right now, so I'll just continue yep, on here. Dalen, yep, Dalen Hayes did miss practice today, uh, as reported by Jess Rebick. So, yeah, he is the new, another new addition to the absent list. All right. That's a bummer. We He needs to get as many reps as possible. And as the backup Sam linebacker, a very important player, obviously, in the Ravens scheme. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Offense had a progressively difficult day. It started hard. It continued hard. It never. They never really got a break on it. They, uh, they have a little metric they use for scoring the practice between offense and defense. They don't use it every day. I think it can be kind of, um, what's the word, demoralizing to the offensive side. Certainly was during the Flacco era at times. Yeah. Uh, but the, the offense was down 32-18 to 18 at one point in practice and only got worse from there. And they ended up losing the practice something like 58-25. to 25. Correct. So really, that was what you saw at the end as well? That's what I reported at the end, yeah. yeah it was oh, good. It was ugly by, by game's end, yeah. Uh, not, not a good practice by any stretch. Uh, plays were blown dead due to sacks uh, and pressures. Mm -hmm. Um, Geno Stone didn't get an interception because they blew it dead because the pass rush had enveloped uh, Tyler Huntley, I believe, by the time that uh, he would have been able to throw it. He had four guys in his face at one point. Um, We'll definitely get into more of the highlights here in a moment, though, so I don't want to spoil all of it right now. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I was just going to mention that Geno Stone had an interception, but uh, blown dead. That's fine. That's uh, that's uh, what it was. Uh, lots of pressure again, like you mentioned, and and a very difficult day for the offense. I didn't think a lot of the play of either McSorley or Huntley today, and they weren't working under the best of conditions. But I don't think either of them really looked exceptionally good either. Yeah, you know, uh, the first week of practice, we saw a lot of success out of Huntley, and I thought that he jockeyed himself into the number two position. But by the once the pads have come on, things have evened out. The defense is able to uh, kind of cause some mayhem, and certainly they have uh, because neither of them was, like you said, rather successful. And uh, McSorley's back to getting the number two reps before Huntley's getting the number three reps. So I don't know what the current situation is there. I assume it's going to play out more in the preseason than here in training camp than anything. But uh, honestly, uh, none of the quarterbacks really were all that successful. And and for Jackson's sake, it was just because he he can return and he can sprint around like we know, but he uh, he had guys in his face all practice. Mm-hmm. All three quarterbacks did. Yeah. Uh, uh, tough day. Uh, let's talk about the offensive line because as I think we're, we're part of the issue is the number ones today, Phillips, Cleveland, Bozeman, McCary, and Villanueva. It's, it's not the unit that they'd want to take into week one. Missing Zeitler, obviously, is a big deal. And uh, also missing Ronnie Stanley, of course, is a big deal. Uh, don't know for sure who will be the starting left guard. I think Cleveland probably has the edge right now over a player like Phillips just because they're trying to use Phillips at tackle. Yeah, that's what my presumption is as well. They want to get Ben Cleveland worked in there, and that's why they're giving him just as many reps as possible because if you can get this guy trained to be more technically proficient, uh, the raw size and strength of somebody like him utilized effectively would be exceptional, and that's what that's what we're seeing uh, Joe D. Uh, offensive line coach for the Ravens, Jody Alessandris, uh, work into uh, his program and, and just try and get him fitted like we've seen a litany of uh, players do here at uh, Owings Mills. 
Yeah, definitely. We want to talk about those drills a little bit later because that was a lot of fun. For the first time this camp, we got a chance to look at drills up close. So I'm going to come back to that in just a second. But the uh, the offensive line definitely struggling with continuity issues from from my way of thinking. Zeitler would fix a lot of that just being in at right guard. I think Ronnie Stanley obviously be a huge addition in terms of knowing who the guy next to you is and and uh, knowing that you don't have to bail him out all the time in some cases. Uh, the line misses Zeitler very clearly. Um, the twos don't give you a lot of hope for the depth of the Ravens. They really bring up questions. So we're going to see who these guys are in the in the preseason games. But the the twos out there are Schofield at left tackle, Powers, Cologne, Mance, and Smith. And I, I you know, it's just it's not a group that that engenders a lot of fear. Powers is probably the best of those players. Cologne, a decent backup center, but. You're not talking about a you know wonderful amount of depth there in the twos. Yeah, I mean, two of the positions already on the starting unit are depth players. So, uh, with with Zeitler and Stanley already out, so uh, putting them back into the second string with the returns of the two veterans would be a big significant boost back to the number two group. But uh, yeah, the the depth there with the number twos is not pretty right now and uh going back to the ones just real quick um mm-hmm. i spoke with harbaugh at the presser and i asked him you know on a, on a practice like today when you see the defense you know swarming and you love to see that as a as a coach because you see your defense being so successful i said but at the same time you're watching your your offensive line really struggle out there how do you balance that and uh, he essentially said, you know, uh, offensive line is the hardest thing here in training camp. And we throw so much at those guys. And this is where continuity needs to be at its greatest. And right now we don't have that. And I think he did. He said that in terms of the players that are on the field aren't who we would like to be on the field is, is right. kind of how I got the reference. Because obviously he would want to have Stanley and Zeitler back out there, which would make things far more simpler when you have a top five, top three left tackle in the league right now you know backstopping for uh for that uh left side but mm-hmm. unfortunately they don't have them right now and and that's what's being really uh encumbering this uh offense yeah it, it's I'm, I'm glad you asked the question and it's it's a it's an honest response i think that that you got from john on the on the question a lot of times you get a, a kind of a coaching response but that's that's a very good one from him and uh, I, I think the player I'm most disappointed in in camp so far is Ben Bredesen right now. Um, he can't seem to crack the second team offensive line. That's a real problem. Uh, if I had to guess at this point, I think he's probably headed for the practice squad. And they'll hope they can get him through. And the Ravens will have him available if they need to draw a lineman and not worry too much about losing him, honestly. Yeah, that's where I'm at with uh, Bredesen as well. You'd hope to uh, at least a year into... Uh, this kind of a program and working uh, even under the circumstances of COVID, maybe that Mm -hmm. could be what's caused this to feel maybe like he's a, he's a rookie still just because last season's protocols, you know, had a lot of people not in the building and they weren't capable of working side by side. And uh, as, as Harbaugh stated, you know, continuity is, is critical here and jumping from college to the pros is an incredibly difficult leap just in itself and under the difficulties of the pandemic mixed in with uh, being a young player, you just 
everything is changing so quickly and you're supposed to just get up to speed by yourself in a position where group effort is key so but but he hasn't been able to even crack the second string like you stated mm-hmm. uh so he's likely headed to the practice squad and, and like you said he could he could most certainly be picked up elsewhere yeah, very, very much he's a player who needs to have a big preseason in the games because he'll get playing time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, of him really needing to put it together there. Hopefully he'll get more than two series per game. He'll get to play, you know, maybe three series and then a half and then more if he's, you know, making progress. Uh, but but uh, definitely a player who we're going to need to see more from. Now, we mentioned Kyle and I actually stood together, watched some offensive line drills for a while. That's always really fun to watch Joe D put his unit through the paces and and uh, very demonstrative and technical coach uh, uses hands a lot and uh, well to teach offensive linemen how to use their hands a lot uh, so one of the things we, we you heard you hear him say things and bark out loud I know I've made references to him in terms of uh, uh, characters from Batman before I don't want to do that but he one thing he said today is we want to have we want the, the hands fast. And he kept coming back to that in a lot of the individual drills. Yeah, he's hollering at these guys. And when when Kenson's at their demonstrative, he he really is participating almost actively in the drill side by side with these guys or right, you know, right behind them or, or having them circle up and watch him hit the blocking pad that uh, a different player is holding at the time to show exactly where he wants it to hit, how he wants it to hit. And uh, at the speed and rate with, that he can, you know, demonstrate with to uh, get these professional athletes to do exactly what he wants to do uh, in, in order to be successful. Uh, he's been doing this for years. He's put these guys through the paces and helped develop some incredibly successful offensive lines that have, you know, blocked for Lamar and uh, a record-setting rushing offense for these last two seasons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, certainly you can't argue with the success, and in particular the way they've turned a lot of lower-round draft picks into into good players. I I, I love the individual things, so to kind of look at them, one one drill we saw today was one that really is is geared to passing off a stunt or passing off a block up when you have a stunt occur that comes in, and uh, and you know he's he's really giving it in terms that you can understand from the sideline as well as understand the players. I think it'd be very relatable, you know, uh, launch and seek. And, you know, he really shows you, he's like launch, you know, you push this player out away from you and then you seek, you move to your right and you actually move backwards at the same time. Actually, I should say move to your outside and you move backwards as well to try and pick up that additional stunting or blitzing player that, that, that might be your responsibility. Uh, good stuff. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the last thing when we were watching them work through the pulling guard techniques and and moving things around, uh, we kind of joked on the sideline that it's very difficult to hide somebody the size of Patrick McCary. And yet with uh, who they have at at left guard with Ben Cleveland, uh, McCary was uh, shifting from right guard and pulling back to the left. But he looked small compared to those guys. Yes. And he's a well, massive he individual. <laughs> and somehow he looks like the smallest of them. And he's swinging around. And I think that's a terrifying thought to uh, consider Pat McCary or just uh, cutting around and, and being that pulling guard, looking to pursue any unfortunate linebacker to be on that side not paying attention doesn't have his head on a swivel it was pretty entertaining to consider yeah really uh very fun to watch a lot of a lot of joe d's drills 
work up from these individual drills where they really have to get it right individually. Everybody watches the rep, by the way. It's one rep at a time. All the offensive linemen watch the rep. All the offensive linemen watch Joe D correct the rep. <laughs> and, then, and then they move on to the next one. And, and, you know, they learn all the individual things and then they move on. A lot of times offensive linemen have to hold pads to be the people who are blocked by the offensive lineman who's up on that trial. And then they move on and they do two and three man, more complex combination blocking and three man schemes and whatnot that, that you, you'd see in any camp. But uh, it's interesting the way he does it. Yeah, and something that uh, I find always um, unique or uh, worth noting is that the first guy that's going to go up there and do the rep, he's going to get critiqued because Joe's going to show him exactly what he wants and critique you know, his first attempt. But Joe is still correcting even the last person's technique yes. after they've listened to all of the corrections that everybody else has listened to. Like, you'll be like, put your hands higher. And then the second guy will put his hands higher than the first. And then you'll be like, you got to do this with the technique. And so by the 18th person, you're like, oh, he's like, this guy's going to nail it. And that guy's still receiving different techniques in and ways to attack the drill that offers helpful advice for everybody participating and every one of them is watching that and that's what i think really separates joe d'alessandris from i assume many coaches because there's there's a reason for his success in this being a development program as well as a ravens unit that produces offensive talent uh Jerry Rossberg said this a long time ago when he joined the Ravens, uh, former special teams coordinator yep. for the Ravens, uh, in that he didn't come here to just like make a good uh, three-man unit of kicker, punter, and um, long snapper. He said he wanted to build a program, and he wanted to be able to have talent here. So when during training camp, when they brought in an extra long snapper, they brought in an extra punter or kicker, or both in the same player. Um, they wanted a program that could produce NFL talent for uh, the team's value if they could ever get trade out of that. And also because he wanted, he wants to help young kids get successful and pursue their NFL dreams. And Joe has done that with this offensive line program that has churned out NFL talent year after year from high draft picks to undrafted guys. That's what we've seen here in Owings Mills. Yeah, I certainly uh, can't argue with the success he's had. I, there's so much more I have on my sheet of paper here to talk about Jody, but I think we'll move on here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, lo I love the, the hand placement drills, for example. The tight end blocking going on at the same time, and, and it's just fun to watch that from a distance. You don't really, I don't think, have to be there the same way. Uh, it's very combination block oriented. You're, you're watching tight ends uh, straighten up a guy while a second tight end in a, in a two right alignment, say, would, uh, would make a block to uh, com uh, initially chip and then combo up to level two uh, in that scheme. I, very impressive the way it's done. You can see how the Ravens be effective, effective at it regularly. And uh, you don't actually have to be right there to watch it. But the offensive line, I think if you miss what Joe D is saying, you actually miss something cool. Yeah, I would agree with that uh, just because of Joe D's uh, technical proficiency. Um, but the Ravens blocking unit at tight end is certainly successful as well. But yeah, I think the comparison you drew is, is completely fair. All right, let's move on to some of the players we like today. I'm going to start. I, I'll go with Geno Stone. He had an interception on the left sideline that, uh, as Kyle mentioned, was waved off by a whistle. But he also had a pressure. Uh, 
rushing the passer. Uh, he's had several of those, by the way. They've uh, you know brought him. They, they're not shy about bringing defensive backs in these practices, which is one of the reasons that the practices require continuity of the offensive line is that these defensive backs are going all out like it's the you know seventh game of the season trying to get after the quarterback and the offensive line is still trying to figure out who the guy next to them is and you know learn these basic techniques about how to pass off a stunt or pick up a blitz or whatever uh, and I don't mean it in that way you know they know how to do some of that stuff but it's mm-hmm. but it's still enacting it is difficult when, when a different man is next to you every time uh, he, he also had a, a nice run stop for a loss by Tyson Williams. So contributed in all three areas, kind of biking up a pass, stopping a run, and and uh, delivering a pressure. Yeah, Geno Stone's really impressed me these last few practices they've strung together. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, when the pads come on, uh, he gets to he feels like he's able to freewheel in in his talent and and make some plays. Uh, but it's pretty surprising, you know. He was on the team, you know. I mm-hmm. think he got reverted to the practice squad, was picked up elsewhere, and now he's back with the Ravens, and he's looking really sharp here. And we've talked about it on previous episodes of of film study that they're looking for somebody to have depth there at the third slash fourth safety role and dime yeah. back role. And Geno Stone, these last few practices, has put together some pretty great tape that hopefully translates to the preseason and beyond for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, it, that's exactly it, is is that that's where Geno will make the team. He'll be a big, good special teams player who can also uh, substitute in as the dime back as well. And right now they have three safeties who are sure to make the team, with Stevens being the third along with Joker and, and uh, Clark. And then they have a, a couple guys who are only special teamers who they can play games with in terms of the roster, and neither of them I don't think, I don't think either of them would be taken from the Ravens if they if they uh, you know released them had a wink wink deal to resign them mm-hmm. and then they've got other guys like Stone um, our Darius Washington might fit into this category where they really need to make a difficult choice about is is can we slip this guy through to the practice squad and Stone will be an interesting choice because he's certainly he's done some things to put himself in the discussion he's definitely on the uh, in roster consideration during these preseason games he's one of the guys who's actually playing with a lot on the line. Yeah, absolutely. And if he goes back to the practice squad, it'd be a really because inter- they they did that last year, and we watched as uh, Stone was claimed off of waivers or claimed off of their practice squad and landed. I believe it was with the Cowboys, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, might I, I thought wrong. it was at the Texans, but I it could might, be yeah, wrong. So. It was a Texas team. We're gonna argue. <laughs> well, that's what we'll just say. But uh, yeah, he just uh, so if they put him back on the practice squad, they could most certainly lose him again because that's exactly what happened the first time they did so with him. But mm-hmm. Uh, Ardarius Washington, I think he's done pretty well. Um, I know you didn't ask me about him, but we're just talking about names right here. I li- I've liked personally Geno Stone more in what he's done with his play, especially today. Like you said, he had the interception. He had the pressure. He had the tackle for loss. He's flying around it. Um, Ardarius Washington received Washington received praise from uh, Martindale. As Martindale said, he's always constantly around the ball. And I think that's pretty true in coverage. I haven't seen enough out of him personally uh, mm-hmm. in in run defense or him attacking as a, as a blitzing uh, defensive back. But maybe he hasn't been receiving those snaps or maybe I've been watching elsewhere because it's hard watching 22 guys every single play. Yeah, I mean, it always can happen. I did have one day where Ardarius had a couple of good run stops. But, but you're right that I don't really think he's had as many blitz opportunities as Geno Stone has just the way that tape is running through my mind right now to, mm-hmm. to uh to kind of recall it so 
Uh, is there another player that you liked uh, today in, in today's practice? I loved Chris Westry today. He, I don't know if he allowed a pass today. I, I'm trying to go through back on my notes, and I just have like thir- uh, blank versus blank, blank versus 30 incomplete, blank versus 30 PBU, and I don't think I have a single reception caught against him, at least in 11s for sure. It might have happened during 7s or, uh, or something, but he was flying around the ball he was breaking up passes and he was mimicking refs showing the incompletion sign and mm-hmm. running around even with the arm with the airplane arms at one point he's he's a character and uh, i've really liked what i've seen out of him i interviewed dion kane yesterday and he talked about uh chris westry being really good you know he said i i get to practice against these guys like marlon humphrey marcus peters chris westry uh, he was like all those guys. So he he said his name by name, and mm-hmm. I think that just kind of speaks to just how good Westry has had of a training camp this year. That mm-hmm. he's specifically noted among the starters and how he's been able to perform thus far. Yeah, he's he's very physical in addition to just using his length well. And and you know, people say, well, why would you know two inches of additional length worry for a player like Sean Wade or Chris Westry in this case? Uh, why would that matter? Well, the, the the reason is that the NFL rules really favor receivers. They don't allow receivers to sorry, uh, they don't allow defensive backs to get into the body. So they have to use that length to get into the body when they are right there. Mm-hmm. And that extra two inches matters a ton when you've got that situation. It matters probably less for catch radius or or you know kind of the overlapping circles idea of, of what's the defender radius uh, that, that that overlaps the catch radius for a player. But it matters tremendously on contested catches. And that's where Westry is extremely physical as well. There was a lot of pushing around going down by both sides. I thought a lot of uncalled contact today, including one of Westry's play where he pretty much pushed <laughs> the receiver off the ball and then yes. knocked it down. And was and then he was you know waving safe or you know so <laughs> So I, I, th- I, I think he's not going to get away with all of that under game day uh, conditions, but, uh, but I still love to see that kind of a physicality from a, from a defensive back. Bozeman was not happy about one of those calls. He, uh, <laughs> he was walking off on the sideline, had his helmet off, you know, grabbing something to drink. And when, when, he got, when Westry got away with one against the offense, Bozeman was uh, yapping at the, uh, at the ref. And they, they tease the refs there pretty frequently. Both sides oh. do. Uh, Marcus P. Peter's noted talker of the, to the refs during training camp, but uh, Bradley Bozeman's like, you can't not call that, man. You can't. Come on. And so everybody was grinning, and uh, yeah, Westry definitely got away with one during practice today. You know, what, what made it worse, and what's going to make it worse for those refs the whole rest of the camp, is a super late flag that came out on the defense at one point. It had to be like seven seconds after the play. The guy says, okay. You know, <laughs> and I was like, you convinced me. Yeah. It, yeah, it's always entertaining with uh, with the guys and, and working with the officials because it's not serious. The circumstances aren't dire like they would be in a fourth quarter of a tie game or anything. But you know these these guys still care and they want to be successful and they're going to call the officials on on stuff that's uh, that they think is egregious even under camp kind of yes. rules. 
They're playing for the silly score on the scoreboard too, which is, mm-hmm. I, I think that's the good thing about it is it creates a good amount of competition between the offense and defense that I think is positive. And there's other elements of it that I think are not that positive in terms of, um, you know, the defense being able to point to something and saying, well, we lost because of you. You don't want to create that kind of environment. Mm-hmm. So this is for camp only. This isn't something that you would extend into the regular season to keep track of score between defenses and offense. No doubt. Who do you have on your list? Ken? Oh, Adafi Away is is uh, my second guy. Uh, he beat uh, Phillips outside for a pressure in coverage. I thought one of the one of the really interesting plays of the day is a drop by Mark Andrews, and it is just a drop. But the Ravens' offensive, uh, sorry, scoring system has the defenders fall on that football and earn extra scoreboard points on that. And and Away was. He, was, he fell on the football, and first I thought he was hurt. He was down on it for so long, but he was really just cuddling up into that fetal position with the football and holding on to it for extra long. Uh, got up and, and uh, was very happy about himself for it. One other thing about it is, is that I thought he had some trouble uh, for a lot of the day with Alejandro Villanueva's length. And, and that's something, again, I, I really want him to do better with. But generally speaking, definitely flashed in this practice was a positive thing. I thought that the uh, the ball was actually a completion that was knocked out a couple steps after. That's what I had seen on there. I'm not sure if you may have had a better angle on it. But yeah, initially what I saw is Andrews caught it, took a few steps, and somebody clubbed it out. It spiked down on the ground before he crossed the goal line. Hmm. And that's when Owe... Who was you know who who had just had a pressure the outside pressure that you're speaking about? Yep. Uh, that was the play right before it. So he went back to back on those plays. That's what I reported, anyways. Is that he fell on top of that ball and uh, and, and got that fumble recovery too. So he was all over the field because yeah. he was in the backfield and then he's making a fumble recovery on the goal line, 10, 15 yards deep on the next play. I really I wanted him. I put him down as my uh, uh, number one guy, but I wanted to go with Westry because we were on the topic of defensive backs and Geno Stone. He was he was flying around down there. Yeah. I, I'll just say in terms of in terms of Owe and what they're asking him to do, it's a very good sign. You know, obviously they want to get him geared up as a pass rusher and give him as many reps as they can to get in good situations, whether it's stunt, use his length, figure out all of the things he needs to do to be a success a successful pass rusher first. But in the long run, Adafe Owe has all the traits you would want in a Sam linebacker. And it doesn't matter if he actually plays on that strong side opposite the tight end. In Martindale's defense, it matters that he can drop from the line of scrimmage and be trusted to cover. So you want the guy that has those characteristics on both sides, like they did with Judon and Bowser last year. And if Owe can become that, he'll be an incredibly valuable player. If he just hits the floor of his run defense, I'm not really all that enamored by by what the Ravens got with the draft pick. But uh, you know, there's there's multiple layers, there's multiple ways in which he can succeed to improve that value. And that's something that's really awesome about uh, who Owe is as an athlete. You said you know he can he's versatile and he's he looks like he could be among the best at any of those uh, opportunities. His run defense, him as a pass rusher, him as both his his speed, maybe giving giving him some uh, flat routes and uh, the short throws on the outside there uh, mm-hmm. coverage. He he looks like he can do any of them proficiently. And if he can do all of them to a, a, a upper echelon degree, he could be an absolutely 
fantastic linebacker for this team and there's no better unit to uh, learn from than than Don Martindale and uh, Rob Ryan who we heard about just a bit ago at at, uh, at the podium talking about how crazy he is for Malik Harrison <laughs> yeah well that, that, and, and it's, we'll come back to Malik in just a second but one of the things the Ravens do with linebackers who drop from line of scrimmage and they also do this with defensive linemen is they want to use the lateral movement of that player to move as far as possible we saw it in the very first big defensive play of 2020 was actually Williams, sorry, not Williams, uh, Campbell, dropping from the line of scrimmage and moving laterally to his right to deflect the ball that was intercepted by Humphrey for the first pick of the year. Well, a player like Owe, who has tremendous natural speed, can get a lot farther and is potentially has a much larger impact on interceptions um, when he comes from nowhere. The old Joe Flacco, I didn't see that guy. Well, Away is going to be the guy a lot of quarterbacks didn't see from his, uh, from his ability to move laterally. So I'm very excited about that. Completely agree with you, Ken. All right, you want to move on? We're going to talk about Malik? Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't see too much from him. I did talk with him at the podium. Um, he is an all-business guy from what I got out of the podium at him. He is not one that talks and shares stories, unlike his uh, linebackers coach. But he was up there talking about how it's all business, how he wanted to get a little bit more lean for this season. He felt he was a little bit too big or too heavy, and uh, he, he shortened up on, on the weight there, around the waistline, I assume. Um, he's looked pretty good thus far. He's been inconsistent though is what i've caught from him uh and i don't think anybody has outright won that uh second linebacker spot what do you got ken well t- today he made a great play he had a he had a, a stop rushing off the edge on a fourth and one play to uh get the defense off the field and the defense would have already had won the door, day 53 to 25 won the day then 58 to 25 with that play so it was about a five point play to stop him on fourth and one uh you know, I haven't seen him involved in a lot of pass plays. Uh, you know, they do some different things, the way they line up on 7-7 seven and seven that I kind of did want to talk about here. But uh, but in terms of, of run defense, that was probably the first big run defense play I can remember this, this camp. Yeah, I think so as well. <clears throat> uh, I did have notes on both Justin Matabike and Chris Smith. Those guys were extremely proficient today in pass rush. I watched Justin Matabike swim through, I think it was the first string offensive line, just split the center and the left guard, swam through, and was uh, at the quarterback instantly. Chris Smith, I think, was in on a stunt. He went. He was the one that swung on the outside after somebody cut in. Uh, I think it was to face the uh, the right guard. I can't remember exactly, but both of those guys were in the backfield multiple times. Like we said, the defense really was dominant today, and a lot of it was the pass rush. Just watching these guys hit the uh, the offensive line with more unique stuff, and and as Martindale incorporates more into the, his his hybrid, you know. In, crazed scheme that we hear about all the time but both of those guys were dominant and uh, uh Matabike also had a couple tackles for loss i believe i'm I, i'm pretty sure is what i have, he, what he's, you have he's been terrific basically every day at camp so i, I was i'm trying to keep him off my list every day just because he's <laughs> yeah. been so effective uh but definitely a guy the ravens need to to move forward with and be good i got a few highlight plays i'll list out um board chris board uh filled very well on one of the early plays of of practice and had a tackle for loss. Uh, Sammy Watkins had an interesting interaction with Humphrey where he knocked him down right at the line of scrimmage. This is a lot of the physicality we saw all through practice. But uh, Humphrey lay on his back for for, uh, a minute. I was afraid he was hurt. This is pride mostly, I think. 
Yeah, uh, Humphrey dropped that uh, ball that was near his toes and walked off to the side, and he looked frustrated. And then Harbaugh even came over to him and spoke to him on the sidelines for a little bit during 11s after the ones got off and uh, kind of spoke to him as, as Watkins was crouched down, just like being frustrated. And he walked, grabbed a towel, you know, wiped himself off, and, and he didn't just like toss the towel into this. And maybe this is me just trying to overanalyze everything, but like you could see body language. Like he wiped himself off and then like, dunked the towel into the into the dirty bin like all frustrated still like he was not happy uh with practice today i think he's he's completely a a competitor all these guys are and when things aren't swinging your way and and defense like we said you know had been just producing so many successful plays after plays and the offense just couldn't get going today i think that was just kind of weighing on him because he's he's known uh to be a part of some successful offenses and he wants to be able to compete with guys like uh humphrey and peters on the opposing side oh it was watkins who dunked the towel i missed that i Mm -hmm. missed that i thought it was humphrey okay oh yeah yeah yeah. good all right. Uh, a couple other players who, who, who had a play of note here anyway. McSorley rolled right for an easy touchdown pass to Tyson Williams. That's the kind of thing the Ravens really can replicate with, obviously, players like Jackson. But also nice to have McSorley be a, uh, you know, a fit for this offense is the ability to, to get free of pressure, uh, roll with the play as needed, and then find somebody wide open. Uh, Averett had a nice pass defense in coverage of Devin Gray. Uh, Sean Wade had a pass defense in coverage of Jalen Moore. Uh, just a, a big day, obviously, for the defense in a lot of ways. Uh, so many fewer offensive big plays than defensive. Yeah, uh, I have uh, 51. Aaron Adoye uh, also had a sack on Tyler Huntley. That mm-hmm. was another noted pressure that I have here. But overall, I don't have many offensive successes uh in my notes you know i'm at the beginning of camp when the pads aren't on everybody's able to fly free and clear without contact but uh the defense has been able to uh sharpen up over these last few practices and and the physicality has been a little bit more each and every day and as with that goes so does the success rates here for the uh passing game (laughs) all right one one more thing if you're going to camp let me suggest you do this Seven-on-seven drills are widely um, maligned, maybe correctly so, as not being accurate reflections of how uh, offenses work. And, 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 you know, if you don't have the pressure component, you know, obviously finding receivers open is a lot easier and whatnot. But there's something to be gleaned there. And and if you watch seven-on-seven, try watching the defense instead of the offense and try and see how they're setting up because they're trying to really learn how they can do coverage with each possible coverage unit they have. So if they have a base defense on, meaning they have two safeties, two corners, that's what they'll have, two safeties and two corners. And you'll see two inside linebackers and you'll see one outside linebacker. So look for that and try to see how those inside linebackers and outside linebackers are really dealing with their own coverage responsibilities. I think that's the much more interesting side of that. They'll play nickel, of course, which means they'll have two inside linebackers and then they'll, they'll replace their outside linebacker with a, a, um, a slot corner. So you'll see that. And then they also, you'll see them sometimes play dime where they'll only have one inside linebacker on the field, one, uh, three safeties and three corners. So take a look at what the defense is trying to do. And, and if you think they're doing the best they can under very adverse circumstances, obviously, to at least set up and play their zone coverages or play their man schemes under that. I think it's really worth watching. And I, I had some fun doing that today. 
Yeah, that's something that uh, I, I started to really take note of. Uh, not my first year or even my second year of camp, but uh, the third and this will be my fourth year now. So the last two years, that's something that I've been trying to focus on more because, yes, it's, it's really difficult to not watch the receivers on this. But mm-hmm. if you can watch these linebackers and you watch the safeties and, 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 like you said, corners, all those guys, watch how they're navigating through their, their zone coverages, how they're handing off uh, the the nearest uh, receiver uh, in their zone when they pass through and get to the other zone. Like you can see where the gaps are in zone coverages and you also see how they try to fluctuate through them and, and work as a group and, and, um, and through their progressions and stuff. I've been trying to focus on that more to see who is being, you know, kind of the winner of the second linebacker spot on the inside there, because Mm -hmm. that I think is really going to define who is, who's going to get the, the job now. Yeah, they. I mean, they play a lot of situational uh, weak side linebacker, and and I, I I am hoping that's the way it ends up is that they have this platoon and and you know they have a they have a guy like the they like on the run and it's probably Malik and they have a guy they like against the pass and it's probably Fort and they have another guy they like as the dime and we don't know who that is yet but but yeah. you know we 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 hope it's uh, they find that guy so they can return to some of the success of previous years. Absolutely. Kyle, always a pleasure doing this with you, my friend. Uh, we're going to sign off now, but uh, where can people find your work? You can find my work at Kyle P. Barber on Twitter. You can read my work both on BaltimoreBeatdown.com and Monday and Wednesday's versions of BaltimoreRavens.com's Late for Work. Outstanding, my friend. We'll see you Monday at camp. Thanks again for coming on. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. And I'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.